Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Friday, February 25th, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, we play a little game this morning. When will President Joe Biden announce his SCOTUS pick? Number two, the latest on Ukraine. And number three, a new polling memo from the firm of Biden's pollster on COVID. All right, Jake, let's get into it. Uh, There are reports that President Joe Biden has made his selection of who will be the his nominee to be the next Supreme Court justice. And this morning, we're kind of looking a little bit at this timeline because the clock is ticking. Yeah, and more than a report, we are able to confirm <laughs> that, that yes, Joe Biden yes. has. We have reported, a little early this morning on a Friday. Yes, con- confirmation. Have, yes, we have the reporting ourselves um, that um, that Biden has chosen a Supreme Court nominee. Um, the three names in the mix, and we would, and there aren't really no other options, are Katanji Brown Jackson, who serves in the Court of Appeals in D.C. Um, Leandra Kruger, who sits in the Supreme Court of California, and J. Michelle Childs. Michelle Childs is the choice of Jim Clyburn, who uh, helped Biden during the election and uh, uh, throws his weight around on a lot of issues uh, and um, has captured the attention of the D.C. press court, to say the least, on his choice. She's a federal judge out of South Carolina. She is a federal judge in South Carolina who also has the support of Joe Manchin, to the extent that matters. Uh, and and the interesting thing about Childs, just really quickly, is uh, and why Manchin likes her. I think we re- we reported this yesterday. Uh, Michelle Childs went to public schools. Uh, she went to the University of South Carolina for law school, the University of South Florida for um, uh, undergrad. Katanji Brown Jackson is a graduate of Harvard and uh, Harvard Law School, and uh, Leandra Kruger graduated from Harvard and Yale, which are schools in Massachusetts and Connecticut, if you haven't heard of them, Anna. Thank you. Thank you for that update. Yes. uh, I did not go to Harvard or Yale, but I'm from Connecticut. So I think by transitive power, I have a Yale degree. Um, At least that's what I tell myself. So um, let's talk about this for a second, Anna. I think you and I are aligned on this. Um, So when when will Biden announce this? I am asking people right now when Biden will announce this, and at, at this early hour of the morning, I'm getting very few answers. Um, but that said, he says he's going to announce it in February, so 28 days in this great month of February, um, and uh, so that means he's going to announce it either today, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. I am voting, and I'm. I think it'll be today because you because you matter. <laughs> no, I think it'll be today, don't you? I mean, so yeah. let's talk. Yeah. So let's let's play process of elimination here. Um, it ain't gonna be on the weekend. I don't think. I don't know why he would do it on the weekend. Um, people don't necessarily pay attention to the news as much on the weekend. Uh, why wouldn't it be Monday in your view, Anna? Yeah, I mean, I too, we were just talking about this before. I mean, I think Monday, the day before the State of the Union, if you're Biden, you're dealing with a lot of crises in the world. This should be a moment where you kind of take a bit of a victory lap. You're going to want more than 24 hours of the news cycle for this to process ahead of the State of the Union. So I think there's a huge argument to be made that he'd make some kind of you know, announcement today. Uh, obviously, that would be quick. Maybe they'll choose to do it on Monday and kind of try to play that out and make a really big deal of it on the State of the Union. But uh, if it was my money or someone was asking me what I, you know, the strategy behind it, uh, I would I would say sometime today. 
I so and here's another reason why, and I, I didn't write this into the newsletter because I knew Brez would argue with me about this, but I could just say <laughs> this to you and to our podcast listening audience. If I were the White House and I were thinking this through, um, first of all, these are all pretty well vetted candidates. Um, Childs and uh, Brown Jackson have both gone through the con- the federal confirmation process. Leandra Kruger has um, been appointed the uh, associate judge of the California Supreme Court. She worked in government. She um, uh, is a former Supreme Court clerk. These are people who are mostly vetted. But if there's anything that's going to come out about them, and I, I don't think anything will that's damn that's like ch- that changes the game, but at least have a few days to litigate that before going in front of the country for the State of the Union, right? I mean, that seems like have that air out over the weekend. And also like, if you're looking at this from a political perspective, if you're Joe Biden, don't if you if you could choose anything right now except for peace in Ukraine, which obviously he he wants, but like this would be a it would just be a good reprieve to the extent you could have a reprieve from a war, which is basically impossible. This is a good just kind of breath of fresh air during an otherwise pretty crappy time for the White House. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can get all their ducks in a row, right? I think that's the other thing you have to think about. Washington. They might actually have their ducks in a row. Who knows, right? I, for all we know, he might have already chosen the nominee days ago. And it's I just know, not getting- even that, but it's, you know, the travel and all. There's a lot of things that go into kind of the release of this. So I just think, you know. Unless you're Katanji Brown Jackson and you're the nominee and you live in Washington, D.C. and you are a um, a federal judge in the District of Columbia, in which case you could you could just take an Uber to the White House. There, there you go. We will we'll be reporting on, on, on transportation next. Uh, all right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning. Uh, on a very serious note, Ukrainian soldiers are taking up a defensive position in Kiev. Uh, this is really the situation is uh, deteriorating very quickly um, and becoming, uh, you know, something that the entire eyes of the world are watching right now and trying to figure out how to kind of push the powers, uh, the levers of power, rather, to try to to stymie, you know, Vladimir Putin and his efforts uh, to take over Ukraine. What a mess. Um, reporters, you're, as you note, reporters in Kiev are now saying that um, – People are taking up defensive positions. Um, a couple interesting notes here. Um, number one, Zelensky's still in Kiev. For all we know, he said he's going to stay there. Not for all we know, he says he's there. Russians have barred uh, British aircraft from their airspace, which is a huge deal for an airplane nerd like me. And I, this is important from a geopolitical perspective, too. Uh, British Airways is one of the largest airways in the, on the planet. It carries a lot of people to Asia. It has to overfly Russia uh, en route to, um, you know, Japan, South Korea, any of those places. So this is just a huge line in the sand to uh, from Russia to the United Kingdom uh, after the after the um, sanctions. The Champions League, the big, massive European soccer league, will no longer play its final in St. Petersburg. Um, it just this is like a a whole host of of very serious implications, um, and um, it it's not getting better. I mean, it seems like the Ukrainians, it seems like the Russians are take are going to try to take the capital of Kiev. What do they want to do from there? Um, 
you know, Brez and I have had lots of conversations about this over the last couple of days. Uh, what are what is Putin's goal? Is it to occupy the whole country? It's clearly he wants to overthrow the Volodymyr Zelensky led government, which is backed, obviously, by the West and by by um, specifically the White House. Um, it's just a mess. And, and and it's just it's it's difficult to, to decipher what Putin wants to do and, and what will happen next. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the gravity here can't be um, overstated, right? Biden's going to be meeting uh, this morning at 9 a.m. with fellow NATO heads of state uh, and government uh, as they try to figure out what's the next pass in a virtual summit. Uh, you have Vice President Kamala Harris taking part in an 8 a.m. meeting with the Bucharest nine members of NATO's eastern flank. Uh, and then, you know, obviously our focus always on what's happening in the Capitol. This has been a week when uh, Washington has been out and, you know, Senate and the House are out. But we are starting to see some some pretty strong statements that we note in this morning's newsletter from uh, Senator uh, Bob Menendez, the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He's driving a ton of conversation, Jake, over policies. You know, he believes the Biden administration should adopt when it comes to Ukraine. Obviously, we've been talking a lot on this podcast about about, you know, the effort to try to figure out if they were going to do a pre-sanctions bill or wait for, uh, you know, Putin to make his move. Now, you know, Menendez is saying, uh, you know, a lot of things that are going to get, you know, he's got a lot of sway when it comes to top Democrat, to being the top Democrat on the most important foreign policy committee in Congress, uh, you know, and his support of, you know, kind of being in line with, frankly, his Republican counterpart, Senator Jim Risch, um, is going to be is a united front, you know, I think, and something that we're going to play out in the next week or so. That's right. Bob Menendez is the, is the most important voice, you know, right now on foreign policy on Capitol Hill, um, period. So um, he what he says matters. And, and after the failure of putting together uh, the failure, the, the Senate's failure in putting together a sanctions package on the pre-invasion sanctions, um, and post-invasion sanctions, uh, this is a, uh, just to have a voice like Menendez uh, um, uh, dissenting from the administration is pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, notable, I would say. Um, and, and when Congress comes back next week, Anna, which it is, it's coming back Monday, there's going to be 535 members of Congress running around the Capitol saying everything that they want to do and need to do on on sanctions. Now, I spoke to Adam Schiff yesterday, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, and he said he believes Biden has all the authority that he needs to do whatever he wants on sanctions. So, um that I'm not sure what else there I'm not sure what else there is for the Senate to do. Uh but this is going to be a big topic, obviously the biggest topic of conversation when Congress comes back into session next week and the State of the Union, obviously, is Tuesday. All right, let's move on to the number three story of the morning. We got some news here, Jake, this morning. Uh, 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 this is a very interesting item uh, about President Joe Biden's polling firm. They are, have a new memo that's been making the rounds among House and Senate Democratic campaigns and consultants for the last week or so. And it caught our eye because it's from Impact Research, a well-known Democratic firm that also happens to be where President Joe Biden's pollster works. The message, declare a win over COVID and move on. 
Well, that is the big message. That has been the message from a lot of Democrats privately. But uh, this is from, uh, obviously, from Impact Research, which did a lot of polling for Joe Biden in the 2020 election, which he won. Uh, and they write that uh, it's a time for Democrats to take credit for ending the COVID crisis phase of the COVID war, point to important victories like vaccine distribution and providing economic stability to Americans and fully enter the rebuilding phase that comes after any war. We have gotten indications from the administration that they want to do something like this. They want to turn the corner on COVID. They want to do that in the uh, State of the Union address on Monday, on Tuesday, rather. I'm sorry. And um COVID's a drag. It's going to be with us for a long time. That's part of what this no, this memo says. And um, we don't need to, according to Democrats, they don't need to keep keep almost mourning COVID. Um, and uh, uh, that is something that obviously there's a lot of mourning with the with deaths. But I'm I'm saying what they're trying to do is they're trying to turn the corner and move on. All right. And before we let you go, I just do want to note one thing that we have also uh, as a heads up for next week. The House Administration Committee is going to be holding a hearing, Jake, on congressional aides unionizing. It's going to be Wednesday at 2 p.m. Uh, this is going to be the first public effort in the House to allow aides to organize and collectively bargain. Certainly a ton of eyes on this and this effort uh, that continues to kind of make its way through Congress. Yeah, we don't know the, the witnesses of this hearing yet. It's going to be held by the Senate, the, sorry, the House Administration Committee, which has control over congressional, everything congressional internal related. Um, the Congress has the House has the ability to um, to allow its workers to unionize. And we expect that will happen. Nancy Pelosi supports it. Uh, everybody that I every important person on Capitol Hill supports it. So. Um, a Democrats of Democrats. Correct. Could it be ended? Could Kevin McCarthy end it? Sure. He could. If he becomes Speaker of the House in, in January, we believe he told me I, I asked him about this a couple weeks ago. He told me that he's against it. So um, all that all that said, this is a it'll be an interesting hearing, especially internally. This has caught on a lot of steam internally, unlike anything I think you and I have ever seen before, especially when it comes to internal house politics. All right. And with that, just a quick note, check your inboxes on Sunday. We are going to be hitting your inboxes Sunday afternoon with a special edition uh, with bonus coverage ahead of a busy week in Washington. As always, thanks so much for listening. You can leave us a rating and review. It's the best way for folks to find out about the Daily Punch. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.